What Goes On Media, this is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goldswell. We're now going to hear from Leighton. He grew up in Warrington in the northwest of England, but his family are from Nigeria. It's a country where it's still illegal to be gay. And Leighton felt so unsafe there, he didn't even go to his own dad's funeral. When I was about 14 or 15, at school at the time, all my friends were like, oh yeah, getting girlfriends and all that. And there was this particular girl that everyone thought I'll go after, but I, I was just not interested at all. But at the same time, I couldn't tell any of my friends because being Warrington at the time, that was 1993. So Warrington wasn't this developed. It was mainly just straight and all that. That's what everyone knew at the time. But by the time I was 16, I then met someone at school who was showing the same interest as me. So we kind of started talking. Instead of going to P class, we were more interested in going to the hats class and all that. So we kind of realized, okay, maybe we are living the same way. And then things developed and we got together and we were together till I was 23. Ah. And this was your first love then, presumably, at school in Warrington? Yes, it was. I remember the first time we kissed was actually at the back of the school field. (gasps) (laughs) It was next to um, this small river at the time. And it it was fun. It was weird, but fun. And we were together till 2003. And everyone just thought we were best mates. So hang on a minute. Let me get this right. So that was a couple of years after 93. So 95. So you were together for eight years with your first ever boyfriend. What, seven years, 16 till 23. So that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? And you had that relationship secretly then? It was secret. Even when we moved together, um, everyone just thought we were friends. My parents lived about a mile away. They thought we were friends as well. They thought, you know, just two lads sharing a house together, nothing more. And because we had quite a lot of female friends, Mm. they couldn't see the difference. They just thought maybe we are dating uh, the girls as well. And why did you make that? Very um, definite decision then not to come out at school and not to tell your friends or family. Um, coming from an African background where I'm being religious as well, and both my parents are quite well known back in Africa. So that was a no-no. They've never voiced their opinion on gay people, but because of their upbringing as well, I knew it wasn't going to be easy telling them. Mm, so um, where, whereabouts in Africa are they from? What, what religion? Is Nigeria. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Nigeria. My mother is C of E. My father is Catholic. And I don't know that much about Nigeria. I've never been to Nigeria, but from what I've read, um, it's not brilliant for LGBT rights. Would you say that's still true? Or, or... That is still true. Yeah. That is still 100% true because, for example, when my father passed away last October... One of the main reasons why I could not be there was my mother was like, you know what's going to be like. You know, she was like, I'll give you protection as much as I can, but I cannot do more than that. So we thought, okay, fine, I won't go. So you didn't go to your own father's funeral? No. That must have been heartbreaking though, right? It, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I'm, I'm still at the, at, at the moment, even though it was in October that he died, I'm still kind of having on and off times thinking about how I wasn't able to say goodbye to him. Gosh. But in Nigeria to the point where if, let's say, you know a gay person and you've not reported them to the authorities, you can actually go to jail yourself. So it is completely illegal? It's completely illegal. Are they ever going to change the law? I don't think in our lifetime. 
Do you know people in Nigeria then? Do you, have you got friends? Do you know any gay people there? Mm, not that are fully openly out. No. I know a few who are in the closet. I know a few who are married and they've got kids. But at the same time, they go into the expat side of, let's say, Lagos or Abuja or Kaduna and they have gay relationship or gay sex with the expats. Yeah, exactly. It all goes on. You can't, you can't stop people being gay, can you? Even if you make it illegal. No, not so. Because, I mean, when I, I went to Nigeria and um, there was someone that lived about two blocks away from our house and is, is an expat. So I knew we were talking together and I did sneak into his house just to have fun. But we couldn't say anything to anyone. He couldn't even say to his friends because if they, if they didn't report him, they could be in trouble. It's so damaging, though, isn't it? I mean, just the fact that you can't share the good times with people. You know, you've had a really nice, fun experience, as you described it, and you can't even tell a single soul about it. That must have been so difficult. No, it's really awful and it's bad. I mean, even now, after I came out accidentally at uh, Williams and Kate's wedding, my oldest sister, we've only just started speaking together, like, this year. That's how long she's held the grudge of me being gay. Well, this sounds like a story, William and Kate's wedding. But before we get to that, I just want to go back to your school times, because even though you weren't in Lagos and you were in the UK, which is um, hopefully a bit more tolerant in Warrington than Lagos. A lot, a, lot, a lot more tolerant. Yeah, but you made the decision to stay in the closet for a number of years. So how, how did that feel to you? What was that like, you know, going through a really important relationship, falling in love, but keeping it secret? How did that feel? It wasn't great. You know, I still think about it now, thinking, should I have? Would I have? What would have been the outcome? But at the same time, I, I, I'm not going to be beating myself up about what happened then. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, would my parents have accepted me at the time? I don't believe they would have. But time's moved on since then. So I don't think my father knew even until his death. And that's the way you wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mother knew, but I told her not to say anything to my father. And she knew for about two years before my brothers and sisters. So what about the, your boyfriend? Did he come to the same conclusion as you? He didn't want to tell his family either. He didn't want to tell his family because he wanted to protect me because mm-hmm. telling them will lead to something going out to someone and then going back to my family. Mm. That's why we kept it to ourselves. Right until the very end then by the sounds of it. Yeah, right until the very end. We split up. We're still good friends now. After all those years, he moved to Australia, he came back, and we're still in touch. What was it like at school in Warrington in the 90s? Was, was there any bullying? Was there any talk of like, homophobia in the playground, anything like that? You know what? No. Again, because I didn't say anything, and I didn't know if anyone else had said anything about their own sexuality. It was never a thing. And I think there was more about race than sexuality. Obviously, a black man in, in my it, it was a town so that was more of an issue than sexuality to be honest so any bullying you got was more racist bullying rather than homophobic yeah it was more of um you know and because of my surname as well the way it's spelled and pronounced i had someone this was actually a teacher who called me mr orangutan oh my God. because my my surname kind of almost as pronounced as that so that was that was more of a thing than the sexuality thing but had they been I was open about it I'm sure I mean a guy got his head kicked in just for wearing a pink polo shirt down 
Market Street in Warrington. I think that was in 2000 and, about 2009, 2010. Jesus. Because a lot of people I speak to say that they were picked on because, you know, because of the way they looked or the way they dressed or the way they walked or the way they spoke. But for you, people weren't picking up on any sort of signs of gayness or sexuality. I think because I was trying too hard to be botched. Ah. And I, I wasn't open about it. I was born of it. And I tried to make my voice deeper when I'm talking to people or when I was talking to them. I was like, yeah, you're a maybe. So that kind of helped. So you were trying to be a lad, weren't you? I was. But it's just tragic, isn't it? People, well, kids will always find what the other is. But for you, it happened to be your skin color and your surname. And that was enough for them to pick up on and get bullied for. And to be honest, I think that was part of the reasons why I thought, yeah, maybe it's not good to even tell anyone at school not even my friends because if words get out it's bad enough being a black kid but a gay black kid in warrington well that wouldn't have gone down well there probably weren't a lot were there Leighton? what gay black kid yeah none that you know of <laughs> not, you were not, not that i know of i mean yeah. at the time i think there were only about four or five black families in the whole of warrington from the scout side to the man side seriously at the time yeah, Warrington's not, I think it's only in the last 15, 20 years that Warrington's actually developed mm. to be more open. We had some mid-Asian and Middle Eastern, but mm. black, them wasn't, I wouldn't say major, but you hardly see much people of colour. Mm. So that must have been quite isolating for you anyway. Oh yeah, very. And because this, the, the, the road we grew up as well was a cul-de-sac, so it was mainly white tough yeah and um, do you were you born there then but you were born as being the only yeah black person in your neighborhood really yeah well we were, you were. and you know neighbors neighbors lovely people and my myself and partner i drove there last year just to see what's like but yeah people around there are fine and because there are different t- sides of warrington as well there are some places in warrington that no, even as a white person just avoid god you have them everywhere. Yeah, true. Yes. So what changed then? What, what was the moment where you, you did actually come out? And, and how is it linked to William and Kate's wedding? <laughs> and do you mean the William and the Kate? <laughs> it is the William and the Kate's wedding. We had um, a, a fancy dress party at ours for William and Kate's wedding. And I dressed up as Princess Di. My partner dressed up as, I think, the Queen's mother and then other friends. And we took a picture. And... One of my friends posted a picture on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That was days where you didn't have the privacy access where you can see who is tagging you on what and approve it yourself. So it just went straight on my timeline. Then my aunts who lived in Italy at the time messaged me saying, what's all this rubbish? What's all this nonsense that you're dressed as a woman? Blah, 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 blah. What, why are you trying to tell us this and that? And I didn't say anything. I didn't reply to her, but I showed my friends the messages and my partner just went, maybe it's time you just told them. And I was like, this is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, you know, my mother rang me. I didn't answer. Then she started messaging me. And in the end, I just said, well, it was the days of Blackberry. So I sent her a, mess- a, a BB message going, well, mother, yeah, fine. I'm not a cross-dresser. I've done that for William and Kate's wedding. But yeah, I'm gay. And the response was, how can you be gay? Couldn't you just think about who I am and 
how it's going to affect me back here. And I was like, that's all you can say about this? Yeah, it's not about you, funnily enough. I was like, so I've just come out to you after all these years and all you can think about is yourself and what damage is going to do to your reputation if your friends or people in Nigeria were to find out. So I was like, okay then, bye. And that was that. We didn't speak until the... I can't remember what riot it was, a guy that was killed in London and the riots started spreading everywhere. The ones that then spread to Manchester and Salford and they were in Liverpool yes. as well. Yeah, okay. Well, you like yes. to link your coming out story to major historic moments, so that's quite useful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it then got to Manchester that riot. We were asleep, um, my seven partner, and my phone rang at something like 5 a.m. in the morning. And I, ans- I looked at it, it was my mother ringing. So I answered, and she was just like... Um, I've seen the news about the riots. I used to work here once. Yes. And she went, okay, bye. And that was it. Okay. But on some level, you knew that she still loved you and cared for you, even though you hadn't spoken yes. for what was presumably a few years. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, the fact that she rang gave me the joy that, okay, she definitely still cared for me because after the wedding, whenever I rang her, she won't answer. I sent her messages. She wouldn't reply. She came because she normally comes to England three, four times a year. Mm. Um, and each and every time I've tried to reach out, nothing. But when she rang me, I was happy. I was like, okay, great. I think we can start building bridges now. And since then, slowly but surely, it's like getting back to normal. Because before the royal wedding, myself and my mother normally speak about three, four times a week. So to go from that to nothing, that was heartbreaking. That's a really big deal. So I guess your partner at the time had to be there for you and step up to the point. Oh, yeah. Well, he's still my partner now. Mm. Um, yes, he was there for me. And we just had to be there for each other because he was going through a difficult time with his mother's cancer as well. So it was just like, God, this is not what we need now. No. So presumably you were living, your parents were in this country when you were a child, were they? Did they go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they moved back 2008. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so did my sisters, but I still have two brothers here. Ah, okay. So that was your mum and that was really hurtful. And then did she then tell your siblings or anyone else or, or did you have to do that for yourself? She didn't tell anyone, no. but um, I pick up the phone and I messaged my immediate younger sister. I was like okay, I've got something to tell you. And she was like, well, I said, you know, my partner, Matthew, went, well, I thought Matthew was your friend because when you and Matthew met mom and dad, that Christmas, you introduced him to them as your friend. I went, well, it's because I didn't want to tell anyone. I said, but mm. we've been together now for about six years. He's my partner. So yeah, I'm telling you I'm gay. And she was like, you know, I'm civilized. It's not an issue for me. So she just said, have you told mom? I went, yeah, she's, aware and she was like how did she take it and not very good but we are on good terms now so she was like okay i'm happy for you so i told her i said but please don't tell anyone else let me do it in my own time because mm-hmm. i knew how they'll whole handle it because my whole best sister i knew even though we were close growing up and even when we grew up we lived together at some point i knew she's a strict catholic she was going to be the last person i was going to tell so I told my younger sister not to say anything to her. Um, and then my younger brother, because he's kind of like, oh, I'm this Mr. Tough guy, he's a DJ, he's taller than me and all that. I thought, okay, I need to tread carefully here. So when the time was right, I sat him down and I told him, and I was like, did you think I was going to be annoyed? I went, yeah, because 
the crowd you got around with. I said, mm. but I've told T.I., our other sister, and it was like, so you told her before me. So he was actually pissed off that I told her before him. I was like, well, I didn't know you handle it like this. It was like, all I want for you is to be happy. Don't forget, I'm a DJ. I've seen everything in the club. So course. to me, it's not an issue for me. So but I'm glad you were able to confide in me. So when I told him, it was fine. Everything went well. But my immediate older sister, I couldn't tell her myself. So I just told my younger sister, I went, okay, tell her. And let me know why reaction would be, you know, was. And she told her, she said, she didn't receive it well, but at the end of the day, you are still our brother. So I went, okay, fine. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, you, you get different responses to what you were expecting. And, and a lot of people say that. Sometimes it turns itself on its head, really. The people they think are going to accept it didn't. So. My whole best sister, I knew she wasn't going to accept it. So and up till now, she's still not really accepting it because for example all my siblings came together summer last year and we got met together at my younger brother's place in Darlington but I held this thing come my oldest sister did not turn up because well we could only put it down to one thing I was there Ah. and she's not spoken to you since the only time I spoke to her was on a birthday this year I sent her a birthday because my sisters were like okay you need to do a video for her because she's turning 50. So it's a, it's a big birthday for her. So I, you know, I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And she messaged me the following day to say, thank you. And that was it. That's the first time we've spoken since God knows how long. So tough, isn't it? You know, and it's, it's your flesh and blood. It's your siblings. You want them to be part of your life, don't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I want them to be like what my mother and my partner are like now, because for example, they actually speak to each other more okay. than my mother and I speak to each other. So your mother's been on a real journey then over the last few years? By the she has been on a real journey. She's done a full 180 and life's been so good. That's so important, isn't it? To have that, that love and affection still and that relationship that she can have with your partner now, because that's what you want to do. You want to share your love, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, it's like whenever we speak together or maybe we're doing Zoom or Facebook, time and my partner is not there she's like oh where's Matthew I'm like oh in the kitchen or upstairs at work or something so chill out <laughs> like, okay good I just I'm just checking that you know you two are fine yeah. like two weeks ago when we went into the mini lockdown in Manchester I've been so busy with work so I, I didn't speak to her for like four days mm. and she was trying to get hold of me she couldn't get hold of me or my partner so she got hold of my younger brother so he ended up ringing me I was like tell her we're fine we're just busy we will ring her back. You're just busy with your high-flying career. Done very well, Leighton. <laughs> well, not, not too bad for seven years. He's coming to my seventh year and his guy there next month. Uh, the other thing what, that I was thinking that was interesting about your coming out story is, I mean, you came out because you were so, not really outed, though, but someone posted a picture of you in drag. But, I mean, ultimately, you could have said, I chose to dress as Lady Di because it's fancy dress. But in, you did use it as an opportunity, didn't you? There must have been something in you that thought, you know, I don't want to cover this up and tell a lie and say, oh, it's just fancy dress. This has nothing to do with my identity or whatever. But you wanted to come out, I think, didn't you? I mean, I think because I've kind of lived a lie for so long and I just thought, you know what, I'm in my 20s now. You know, not even my 20s, I was in my 30s. And I just thought, you know fuck it. I've been pushed to say something. I thought, you know what? 
the fact that my hunt was the one that was actually instigating it and going on with herself. So, yeah, so fuck it, I'll tell her. Yeah. And that's why I did it. Yeah. And those, it was aunties, wasn't it? Did they ever respond or did they ever speak to you again? Well, we, we, we are on, again, we are on good terms now. My mother told me she was there. I was like, spoke to her within a FaceTime. And my maternal side, my maternal family are a lot more, um, how do I put it, liberal than my mm. paternal side. They, they, they've kind of accepted it now, but my father's side was still kind of like not telling them or I really don't have anything to do much with them now because at the end of the day, my dad's gone. So I don't need to do much. No, and you'd rather surround yourself by people that respect and love you, frankly. <laughs> Life's too short, right? <laughs> to be honest, that's the thing because I'm like, you know, Life's too short. I didn't think my father was going to die. He was fine. And I got a phone call coming on my way to work, I was told. So I was like, you know what? That's it. Life's too short. Exactly. Can I ask if you still do drag? Or was it just a one-off for the royal wedding? Or is it something that you like doing? I still do drag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, um, oh God, Manchester Midnight Walk about eight years ago for um, cancer charity Mm. at St. Anne's Hospice. And I said to everyone, oh, if I can raise a thousand pounds, I'll do it in six inch heels. And I thought, yeah, no one's going to do that. But unfortunately for me, unfortunately for the charity, we did. Yeah, well done. So I'm guessing it's not been much of a deal at work, has it? I mean, you work in the fashion industry, essentially. I'm I'm guessing that's full of homosexuals. (laughs) (laughs) If you walk into a fashion office or something like that, and there's not a single gay then there's something wrong yeah gays run the fashion world right absolutely the, the CEOs might be straight but believe me you need us <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm looking throughout through the office window now and I can see two gays already yeah, that's fantastic I love the fact that you're doing this interview on zoom at the headquarters of misguided and are you all right to do this chat at work are they all they're happy for you to do that well I don't see what the issue is <laughs> Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy running a fashion empire to talk to coming out stories. I'm very grateful. Thank you very much, Emma. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Well, before you go, because I do like to ask people if they had any advice or tips, because, you know, you've kind of been there and done that and your journey's been over a few decades, really, hasn't it? Is there any advice that you might give to people at the beginning of their journey? I'll say, choose your moment. Mm. Don't be bullied into it. If you don't think you're ready to do it or you don't think those that you're going to come out to are not ready to accept it, then please don't do it because we have so many people at the moment who are coming out, especially young people who think, okay, I'm ready to do it. And then their family ended up turning their back on them. But luckily we've got AKT who has been absolutely fantastic supporting them. But I just wouldn't want anyone to put themselves in danger. Yes, the brilliant Albert Kennedy Trust. Look them up if you haven't heard of them. And if you need support and you're a um, young LGBTQ plus person in the UK, then do look them up because they are fantastic. But yeah, don't rush into it. And don't let anyone post a picture of you in drag on Facebook if you're not ready. (laughs) That is true. Um, so lastly, and not least, um, any signs of, this might be a bit personal, any signs of wedding bells or are you already married to your partner? What's, you've got a ring on. You've got a ring on your finger, Leighton. I have. So tell us about the occasion. Well, we are not fully married yet. Ah. 
we are planning on doing that, but we just can't decide where. There's one place in Manchester that, or in Cheshire that we both really love. We go there every year for firework display because we, we both enjoy that. I said to him, I said, I'll go to Manchester Town Hall. But he's like, no, I want the proper wedding. It's like, all right, okay, fine. Well, you might have to wait a couple of years then, thanks to COVID, if you want a big do, yeah. I think uh, we will definitely have to. Um, I mean, we've been engaged, what, ten, nine, ten years ago now that we've been engaged. Oh, well, this is a seriously long-term relationship then. Oh, yeah. We've been together a while. Ah, right, and I'm guessing your mother will definitely be there when you actually do it? This time, yes. Again, that was another reason why we, we didn't get married, because I felt like I want my mother to be there when I get married. Mm. And, but now, finally, she can definitely be there. Proper happy ending. Yes. Definitely buying a hat. Big thank you to lovely Leighton for talking to me from his workplace. And in the next episode, you'll hear from Kestrel. She describes herself as a queer trans woman and she told me she questioned her gender from the age of four. So I just felt feminine. I hated wearing boy clothes to the point where I would take them off and I would rather run around naked. And there are <laughs> many embarrassing stories of me as a child having taken all my clothes off, drawn pretty patterns all over my body and then run out of the house or in one particular instance at a charity barn dance had run into the changing room taken all my clothes off drawn all over myself and then run back out into the middle of the hokey cokey circle as they were putting their left leg in and there's this sort of naked four-year-old running into this i, I think i embarrassed <laughs> my parents quite a lot growing up with that